somewhere and uh, be asked to share a word from God. It's particularly an honor here as we have uh, just absolutely believe we are a part of a great family of God and uh, and we have sensed his presence and his touch and his move in our own lives and we've grown and uh, God is, we believe the best days are yet to come. Many good things on the way and so uh, we praise the Lord for that. I want to invite you if you have a Bible to turn with me to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1. Be there in just a moment. Jeremiah chapter 1 over in the Old Testament. Um, I do a lot of reflecting on uh, the experiences of of life and things that happen in, in my own life and things that have happened in other people's lives. Uh, Sarah and the girls would tell you I'm a I'm a sucker for a good biography I, to see what somebody else's life journey was like and what they went through, how they dealt with challenges and how they faced things in their life. Uh, I'm particularly drawn to those who have navigated life for a long, long time. They have been at it uh, for longer than most. And uh, this week in particular, uh, with uh, Johnson Stilwell's passing, 97 years. Uh, can, can you just stop and reflect on what he has seen and experienced in 97 years? Um, and what he experiences now? <laughs> Praise the Lord. But I was with uh, Shirley uh, not knowing that uh, Johnson would, uh, would pass from this life to the next in about four hours or so. I uh, didn't know that at the time, but we were together. Uh, at his bedside, and uh, I began to uh, share a psalm with Johnson, Psalm 61, and uh, as I began to read that, I'll just share a verse or two of it here with you. Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. You felt overwhelmed lately? When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. And uh, I went on and shared the, the remainder of the chapter uh, into Johnson's hearing. But I noticed that as I was sharing that, that uh, Shirley was quoting it from memory word for word. And so when uh, we had concluded a little time there at Johnson's bedside and had prayer together, before I left, I said, Shirley, I, I couldn't help but notice that you knew that, that psalm by heart. And she said, well, I taught junior Sunday school class for a lot of years. And everybody that came through that class, that was one of the psalms that I made those kids memorize, Psalm 61 along with several others. So, uh, but it just, it just reminded me, in a world of shaky truces, and who knows what one day to the next holds, the Word of God is an anchor for the people of God. And it holds us, and it's truth, and we can stand on it. And it is there, and it's sufficient when we need it most. And I praise the Lord for that. And I was, I was just reminded of that. I, I couldn't quote it. I was reading it. She had it committed to memory, 
had it in her heart, and it was aiding her and helping her and Johnson through those through those hours, and I'm sure it still does. So, to me, that just brings validity to what we're doing right now in this moment, that somehow God is going to take mortal lips and take His Word and amplify it and apply it to our hearts and our lives. Thank the Lord, That's while that's totally beyond me, it's He is more than capable of doing that. And I'm trusting that He'll do that for each of us today. Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, 4 through 9. I really want to kind of aim this uh, toward our, our teens. But I think uh, uh, some in the room could tell you I'm not the greatest shot in the world. So though I'm aiming toward the teens, I'm pretty sure I'll hit everybody with this. Um, but I, I, Pastor BJ has graciously given me the opportunity to preach uh, today and then again on the 23rd. And uh, so I'm, I want to kind of put these two messages together a little bit now and, and on the 23rd as well. Um, but uh, I came here and uh, was given the charge of helping lead youth ministry. And quite honestly, I had been, I had been out of youth ministry for a long time. Um, so I was... Uh, entering into it with the frame of mind of, of God, I, I know there are, there are thoughts and ways and paradigms and understandings of how youth ministry should look and what it should be. Uh, I really just want to come at this raw and just say, Lord, you make of this. Just here I am. Here we are. You know us. You know these teens. You know, you know the season of life and all that's going to happen. Just, just guide us and direct us and help me to at best stay out of the way or at worst, stay out of the way, and at best, actually be used uh, by you. And I just want to give God praise for that. Um, he's been faithful to that. But I think we can we can tune in, and young people, I, I want to encourage you. And oh, by the way, before I forget it, uh, teens, 6 o'clock tonight, meet here at the church, and we're going to caravan and, and head south on an adventure out through... Uh, land that you probably don't see very often and uh, we may find us a ferry and we'll definitely find a free meal and we'll probably sneak a sermon in there too it's going to be awesome okay some people call it camp meeting I, you know you just fun time great time however you want to but six o'clock we'll meet here at the church and load up on the van so uh, keep that in mind we'll see you see you then it's going to be a great great time together um, but jeremiah is, is quite an interesting figure uh, for a lot of reasons. But uh, l listen to these first few verses here in Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning with verse 4. And this is Jeremiah speaking, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now that already were past what I can comprehend. Before I was ever even two cells joined together, he knew me. He knew me. It tells me that something about me has existed long before this body ever, ever came about and will exist long after this body. It ought to give us great hope. He knew you before you ever had a body. He's going to know you when, when this old body, when you've laid it down and it's gone. Uh, that ought to be a great encouragement. You, you, you had a beginning way, way back there before your birth date, and it's going to keep on for eternity. We get to choose where it spends eternity, right? But, uh, but praise the Lord for that. Before I formed you in the womb. Yes. Yeah. 
before, yeah. Not not when, but before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord. And many of us can identify here with Jeremiah. Teens, I, I'm sure you, you've had this feeling or will have pretty soon. Lord, I cannot speak, for I am young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth His hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Father, help us to see our place in the story, how Jeremiah's life can be reflected in our own life, and what you would have us take away and grow and become more like you and accomplish your will and your plan and your purpose for our life today, both young and old alike here in this place, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Why do, why do we listen to certain people and not so much to others? Just, just think about it for a second. Why, why, why are there some people in our lives that we really listen to? I mean, when they speak, they've got us. And then there are other people, It's and some of you, this won't register, but for a lot of you, well, it's Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 you know. It's all you hear. I know they're talking, but whatever. Why do we do that? And, and, and what do you use to distinguish? Yes I, yes, I care about what they have to say. Yes, I want to listen to them. Yes, what they are declaring matters to me. I want to catch it. I, want to, I maybe even want to take some notes, write it down. Or I don't care what they're saying. I don't, I don't even have time. We all have a way of weighing that and measuring that for ourselves. And it can be any number of things. For some of us, it's, well, what's their education? Do they have any history or experience or education in this field or in this area to know what they're talking about? Or on the opposite side, are they talking about something that they absolutely, there's no way they have any clue what they're talking about. The thing about it, and, and for some of us, and it's probably relevant to the message here, I think it may be very relevant to the message, is, well, are they old enough to have anything worth saying? In our society, we've tended to kind of do that. Well, they're so young. What do they know? They haven't lived. They haven't had experiences. Uh, I've discovered that it, it doesn't really stop. Pretty much anybody that's about 10 years or 15, 10 to 20 years older than you, there's a real strong temptation to look at that person that's 10 to 20 years younger than you and say, <laughs> what do you know? Just wait. Just wait. Anybody identify? You know, what do you, you know, you got so much more living to do, so much more that you haven't seen or heard or experienced. 
That's how we do it. It seems to me there's something different in operation when it comes to Jeremiah here and the Lord. And I think it's found back up there in verse 2. Look, I'll, I'll start there at verse 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were, who were in Anath, in the land of Benjamin. Remember Benjamin? Smallest tribe. How much good is going to come out of them? To whom, here it is, to whom the word of the Lord came. Now, I would submit to you this morning that when that has happened, to whom the word of the Lord came, everything else is off limits. Age, race, nationality, history, education, everything else, you can put it over here. If this is someone to whom the word of the Lord has come, you better listen. You better listen. You better heed what's being said. Jeremiah, not the most likely person to have something significant, life-changing, powerful to say. And he's young to boot. He's, there's every, every reason from outward appearances and outward measures to say, Jeremiah, what do you know? But to Jeremiah, the word of the Lord has come. And that makes all the difference. It changes everything. It's the only hope I have for doing anything that I do in ministry. I could identify with Jeremiah so easily. Jeremiah had a pretty short list of just trying to point out, Lord, I'm young. Once upon a time, that was, that was a good excuse for me. I tried to use it. I had a mile-long list of other things. Lord, here's... Here's a hundred reasons why I shouldn't be used by you, why I shouldn't try to fulfill a role of, of teaching or preaching or telling others, why I, why, why I should just be quiet and let other people do the talking and do the leading. And I had a hundred reasons, and I had it figured up that when the Lord was done with those hundred, I could probably come up with about a hundred more, just in case. Mary Ellen and I had a, a conversation driving back from camp meeting last night, and I, I praise the Lord that he, he still speaks to us, and it doesn't matter the venue. And He still calls us at every age to say, I'm, I'm speaking to you, will you respond? And I'm grateful for His, his speaking into her life last night, and we, and we were able to have that time on that drive back to, to, to talk a little bit about that. As you might imagine, I did more talking than she did. Um, pray for me. <laughs> I really need to grow in the area of learning that the Lord has given you two ears and one mouth so that you'll listen twice as much as you speak. I need to confess that to you so that you'll pray with me and for me. Um, growth comes more by listening than it does by speaking. I'm, I'm convinced of that. But do we have anything in common with Jeremiah? Young people, teenagers, do you, do you have anything in common with this, this young guy named Jeremiah who would say, I'm a youth. I cannot speak, God. I, can, I cannot do what you've called me to. I'm, I'm, I'm too young. I'm not ready. I'm not there yet. I, I just, I can't do this. Or do, do we have anything else in common with him 
besides an age. I think it's this, among several things, but certainly this. God calls each and every one of us. Period. He calls to each and every one of us. You're a soul that He created, so unique, so special, so valuable to Him. And He has placed a calling upon your life. For most of us, it won't look like what I'm doing right now, but it's a calling. No less significant, no less important. To be at work and at service for God, to do what He has called you to do. You are uniquely qualified. God has ordained that. You are uniquely qualified for what He's called you to do. Look at the word again there. Then, then the, Lord, the word of the Lord came, verse 4, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. In the NIV, it renders it, I set you apart. I appointed you. Long before you were ever even drawing breath, I had a purpose and a plan for your life. I don't care what anyone else has ever said to you or what, it, what your life experiences to this point have ever told you. Hear it today on the authority of God's Word. You are unique and valuable and special, and God has a plan for you. And if you don't fulfill that plan, then as a, as a world, we've just kind of missed the very unique thing and the very unique ways that God intended to use you and to use your life for your good and for His glory. I, I, I pray that if our teens have heard, have heard anything from me over, over these past five years, it, ha, it has been that there is only one of you. The world in the history of all the world and the billions of people, it only gets one shot at having you and having you be your best. Just one. Think about that. In thousands of years and billions of people, and if the Lord tarries, a thousand more and a billion more and billions more. Just one of you. How crucial, how, how vital, how important it is that you say to God, yes, Lord, use me. Whatever your plan and whatever your purpose is for me, here I am. I'm not throwaway. I'm not wasted. I'm not trash. I have a plan and a purpose in my life. You want to birth it. You want to bring it to pass. And no matter what others may think of me or what I think of myself, your words are truth. Your words are life. Oh, that we could get a hold of this because we are all called and we're called to serve. I invite you to look over at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I'll turn there with you too and give you a chance to look at this together. Ephesians chapter 2. Beginning at verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But boy, look at the twist right here in the next verse. 
For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Sometimes we can get this confused because there are two, two very distinct things that are happening here. We are not saved by works. Nothing we do gets us saved, earns us salvation, but we are saved to good works. We are saved to perform the service and the work that God has called us to. In other words, there's no, there's no place in the kingdom of God for the Christian to say, I think I'll just take a back seat. And God will be fine with me just hanging out over here and, and just doing a little of nothing. No. It's not our works that save us. It's not the good that we can do or have done that save us. But we are definitely saved to good works. To perform the services that He has called us to. And we are uniquely gifted. Look at Romans. Flip back a few pages. Romans chapter 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one of you a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Look at verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us, my Bible says, use them. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives in liberality, he who leads in diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. In other words, and I think this is a verse, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. But don't miss this. Do it. I'm, I'm amazed. It, uh, and I, I hope I'm not stepping on toes too hard, but, but all of my life, I have always been amazed that there is a condition, it seems to be systemic, church-wide. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. It's an equation that should never, should never have become a part of the body of Christ. How would you like it? How would I like it? If only 20% of this worked, how hard would my life be? I don't know exactly. I mean, that's, it's a growing number, but it's a growing percent. But, but if only 20% of it, if only 20% of it worked, it'd be awful, wouldn't it? Wouldn't be the life any of us would pick. And we would immediately say, that's going to be so hard. That's going to be almost impossible. To really do anything of significance and meaning with, just, and I'm not trying. I know there are people who face challenges. Please don't don't hear that. I know there are people. 
who deal with struggles and handicaps and those issues. I, I believe with all my heart God gives grace for that. Absolutely. I've seen miraculous things that people have done with just a, just a small fraction of the ability that others have. But in the church, when only 20% are doing the majority of the work, at the very least it means this, we're missing out on our full potential. If God has created each and every one of us uniquely, children, teenagers, adults of every age, and I can't find that there's an age limit on it. I can't find anywhere that it says God gifts you for about a 30-year span somewhere in there, and then you retire and you quit and the gifts are gone. And you, I don't see that anywhere. We're gifted uniquely. And, and what it means is that we may have a great church family and a great body, and, and I believe we do, but it's, it's, it's far below what it could be. The potential is enormous. Not only for those who, who would come in in the days ahead, but for each and every one of us here right now. I don't think there's anything that we're a part of in any given year than Backyard Bible Clubs to, to express that. And, and in that case, about half of our average attendance on Sunday was, was out and working and active around 100, 120, I don't know what the number. But think if that became every single soul. And if I'm reading this correctly, and somebody can call me to task on it, I guess, if you want to, but it, it seems to me that it, it, it does indicate here that everybody is gifted. And everybody is called to serve. I can't find it anywhere that there's permission to say, no, just those people. No, just them. They're the ones. They're the ones gifted. They're the ones with special abilities. They're the ones that are called this... There are unique callings. But there's a calling for each and every one of us. Young people. There's a place for you in the kingdom of God. A special place that only you can fill. And here's, I would challenge you with this, and I think Pastor BJ will either give me grace or permission on this. If there's not currently a place and a way for you to express the gift that God has put in you, you go ahead and make you a whole and fit in there. We'll, we'll, we'll adjust. We'll, fi we'll figure it out as we go. But if, if the church isn't currently providing a place for your gift and your grace, you, you go ahead and express it. Push on us. We'll, we'll, we'll do our best to make room and make a place. Because we need it. We need it. And God forgive us if, we, if, we've, if we've organized things in such a way that only a few feel like they can be a part. I believe that God is helping us in these days to expand that and to grow that and to say, no, let's, let's change our thinking. The kingdom of God and the, the expression of the, of the local church can be so much bigger and so much more than it ever really has been known in a long, long time. It can touch every part of the community. It can touch every home, every place that we have influence. It can be so much more than just trying to get it done right here. Does that make sense? Instead of being a church of 200, we can be 200 churches. Everywhere we go. Every, and you know, what, what, what an amazing thing it would be for somebody one day to come up and say, 
Where's the Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene? Well, just look around you. They're everywhere. I mean, it's wherever we are, that's where it is. Well, I mean, the, no, no, you ask about the church. I'm telling you, the church is everywhere the people called Nazarenes in Pittsfield are at. What a glorious thing that would be. What an amazing thing that would be. Mostly we say to ourselves, you can do anything if you set the, your mind to it. But I do want to highlight the fact here that I think it is worthwhile that we all pursue how has God gifted you? Take some time. Some of us battle and struggle and get frustrated for a long time in life, not because we're doing something wrong. We just haven't found what it is God would like for us to do. I, I, I know distinctly that I had a plan for my life. And I think if I had made different decisions, I could have made something work there and pursued that. The only problem is it wouldn't have been God's plan. It would have been my plan. And not to say that I couldn't have pursued that, I just think that if I had, there would have always been this frustration. There would have always been this itch, this struggle of what you're doing may not be bad, it's just not what I had for you. And I, I have a plan and a, a purpose unique to you. So I would encourage you, young and old, if you haven't ever, take some time. Ask God. Just ask Him. It's that, it's that, just ask, Lord, what, what is it? When you see me, what's the plan? Where, where are you directing me? Where are you leading me? And Lord, as you show me that, I'll be obedient to that. You, you, you talk about a prayer that will guide you the rest of your life. Lord, help me to see me the way you see me. And do what you've called me to do. But there is giftedness, without a doubt. There's, there, there are things that, there's a reason why I'm in this role and not everybody is lined up here to preach this morning. There's a reason why Pastor BJ and Pastor Alicia, there's a reason we, we each serve, and, and those of you who have amazing influence in the places of business and the workplaces you're at, and in your schools, there's a reason you have that ability. Because God has uniquely equipped you and prepared you and He's continuing to grow you to say, I want you to be a minister of the gospel there, where you are, in that place, in that time, in that way. And praise God that He's, he's spread out enough gifts that when, when we are seeking Him and, and doing what He's called us to, we have all that we need. I uh, I would imagine, I think I'm right on this, Pastor Alicia uh, pointed me out last Sunday, so I'm going to return the favor. I think she would love to have the problem of saying, I've got 200 people wanting to help in children's ministry, and I don't know, I don't know how to put them all to work. You want to just mess her up. I don't know how, I don't know where to put them all. Everybody, yeah. Everybody's wanting to do something. Everybody's wanting a way to put feet to their faith. Everybody. Now, don't, don't miss this. It doesn't all have to come through the filter of, of here. I love the fact that one of the great things I get to be a part of week in and week out is discovering a little more about how somebody is making a difference where they're at. I love that. 
I love that. And it just keeps astounding me when I learn something more. And Pastor BJ and I'll exchange stories like this sometimes. Did you know so-and-so that's been attending here? Did you know they've always been doing that there in that place? It's, it's amazing. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that they, that they were doing it. It's, it's remarkable. It's a wonderful thing. It's the church being the church in those places. That's happening. And I'm grateful for that. But it can be more. And God wants it to be more until, until everybody comes to the fullness, the Scripture says, until we all come to the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's another thing about Jeremiah. We're all called to serve, but a lot of us, probably most of us, are reluctant. We're reluctant. Verse 6, Ah, Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a youth. NIV renders it, I do not know how. I'm only a youth. Reluctance gets based on a whole lot of other things in life too. Past failures. Our upbringing. I didn't, I didn't have the same upbringing. I, didn't, I don't have the same education. Unrealistic expectations. Well, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to do that. I can't, I can't save the whole world. It's too enormous. It's too, problems are too great. Unrealistic expectations. Sometimes it's faulty theology. Just a bad understanding of what God's Word actually says. We're all called. The Great Commission wasn't just given out to a handful of people. It was everyone. To them present on that day when Jesus gave it, and He said to all who will believe. To all who will believe. Why are we reluctant? Miriam Moffey said these words. I think they're, they're so true. Imitating others, I failed to find myself. I looked inside and discovered I only knew my name. When I stepped outside of myself and trusted one greater than I, that's when I found me. You hear it? Imitating others, comparing myself to others, Measuring myself by others, I never really saw who I was. I only saw, I'm not them. I'm, I don't have that. Can't do that. Not able to do that. I don't. But looking to the one who is greater than I, He showed me myself. My value in Him. His call, His plan, His purpose for my life. And when I found that, I changed the world. <laughs> me, and, me and God changed the world. One more thing. God gives us what we need when we need it. I, I'll, I'll be confessional with you. There's times I'd like to change this one. Uh, I think it's too tied to faith to get it, God to switch it. But I'd like to be able to switch this one up and change it where I could see all, all of the resources stored up here. And God just say, look at all that. Here's everything you're, you're going to need. Now you can go. Here's, you're, you're fully, here's, here's, here's all of it. With these mortal eyes, I almost never can see that. By faith, it's already been done. 
and it's already available, and His Word promises that. He gives us what we need when we need. Just listen to how He talks to Jeremiah. After Jeremiah has said, Lord, hang on, hang on a minute. I need to remind you who you're talking to. I'm a young kid. Can't do any of this. I, I get it that you're wanting me to do something for you, but no. Let me remind you. Listen to how the Lord responds to him. Verse 7. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth. Let's stop right there. What you say about yourself has tremendous impact on who you are, where you'll go, and what you'll do. We call it self-fulfilling prophecy. But I'm going to fail. Yeah, you probably. I can't do it, most likely. If that's, I mean, if, that, if, that, if that's what you're going to declare over yourself, yeah, you probably. I'm slower than everybody else. Yeah, you, you're probably going to be slower than everybody else. I'm not as good as everybody else. That's most likely where you're going to wind up. Not harsh, just truth. I think if I give it everything I've got, I might just be able to win the race. You know what? We can do something with that. I think if I just trust the Lord to do more in me than I think I'm capable of, amazing things can happen. Let's go on. For you... For you, Jeremiah, you shall go to all whom I... I want to read it the way I hear it. You shall go to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am am, am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth His hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Anybody catch what I was doing there? Emphasis. I'll do this, Jeremiah. I didn't say, Jeremiah, you do your best and try to figure this all out and try to have all the resources yourself and try to muster up the strength, try to solve all the problems, try to fix it all. Just in, just do the best you can, Jeremiah, that's all. It wasn't what he was saying to them. God was saying to Jeremiah, I just want you to be available, Jeremiah. I just want you to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Because the intention of God is that I will send you. I will command you. I am with you. The Lord, His hand. The Lord, I have put my words in your mouth. God will never ask you to speak for Him without telling you what to say. I've proven that truth over and over again. God will never ask you to work for Him without showing you what to do. And He will never ask you to lead for Him without showing you the way. Now, it may only be right there in the moment. But what more do you really actually need? But right here, right now. Lord, I just need the next step. 
this right now. I will do this, says the Lord. Nobody captured this and got a hold of this and expressed it any better than Paul. And he writes about it and he says it this way in Galatians 2.20. I imagine quite a few of you have it memorized. It's been highlighted, I can't tell you how many times at camp meeting this week and just the, just the three services that we've been there. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Not I, but Christ who lives in me. That's what qualifies each and every one of us. It's what qualifies every single person in this room. You know, when you go, when you go to turn in a, a job resume, they're, they're looking at your qualifications. What about you, past, present, says to us, you have what it takes to do this job. When it comes to fulfilling the plan and purpose of God in your life, not I. I can only submit to you the resume of Christ Himself. And He has promised to live in me and do it in me and through me. Not I, but Christ. Our musicians are coming back. I want us to think about, as we close here, some, some words to a song. And, and I think we're going to try to sing it here before we go. Listen to these words. I just want you to hear them before we even even uh, move into singing them. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but Christ in me. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken, for by my side the Savior, He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need His power is displayed. To this I hold, my shepherd will defend me through the deepest valley, he will lead. Oh, the night has been won, and I shall overcome. Yet not I, but Christ in me. No fate I dread. I know I am forgiven. The future sure, the price it has been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon, and He was raised to overthrow the grave. To this I hold. My sin has been defeated. Jesus now and ever is my plea. Oh, the chains are released. I can sing. I am free, yet not I, but through Christ in me. With every breath I long to follow Jesus, for He has said that He will bring me home. And day by day I know He will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to Him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Friend, He has a plan.
And his plan is that you would die so that he can live in you. And that every purpose that he wants to accomplish would be accomplished uniquely, specifically in your life. Not because of you, not because of your strength or your abilities, but because you have said, Lord, come and dwell. Come take all of me and be glorified through my life, through my hands, through my feet, through my mouth, through every expression, through everything I can bring and offer to you. Be glorified. Not I, but Christ in me. Let's sing it together.